Well, when I was 22, I moved to Nashville. I, w- I transferred uh, into a music department uh, at Belmont University and was pursuing my lifelong dream of commercial vocal performance. I really felt and felt called my entire life that I was going to be a singer. It was a gift God had given me and something I'd used over and over and over again. And so I arrived in Nashville uh, at 22, and two weeks after I arrived, uh, it was 9-11 in 2001. And I was there alone. I didn't know anyone. And, uh, and it started this really interesting change of journey. There was some deep, deep loneliness. And I spent hours and hours in the practice room I didn't get to know hardly anyone because I was just so focused on my craft and what I was building. And I felt like it was the way that I was supposed to go my entire life. And so I was working so hard to make it happen. But I had this creeping feeling that uh, as I kept working and working and working towards it, that something wasn't right. It wasn't the way. I started teaching kids music. I was there as a job on the side. And out of teaching kids music, I started feeling this like fulfilled feeling. I was interacting with people and getting to know them and hearing their stories and watching kids love music. And it was filling me up in a way that I never, ever expected. At the same time, uh, my financial aid just started to fall apart and there was no way that it was going to happen. I had to change directions. My whole life had been aimed at this point, to this one thing, to singing, to pursuing God through music. It was what I always thought I was going to do. And it wasn't the way. We all know this feeling, this, this is not the way sort of feeling. It often starts soft and can become louder and more intense as we ignore it. Could be as simple as I described above, a growing awareness and obedience to turn away from what is right. For students in the room, if you're listening and you're a student, don't let anyone tell you that this is a failure. Sometimes we think we made the right choice and it doesn't work. It is not a failure to turn around and find a different way. But in our world, we don't have to look far to see this today. Invasions of power on oppression is not the way. Wild division in our church is not the way. Violence and systems of oppression against certain people groups like BIPOC and women and immigrants and poor and sick is not the way. It's the start of Women's History Month. But we can see from stats that pay and access to education and healthcare and maternity leave, we have not found a way towards equity and partnership around the world for women. These ways are selfish and power hungry, fed by affirmation and affection, controlled based systems, and we know them when we experience them or see them. And finding a unified way to address these wrongs can be incredibly, incredibly powerful. So do you need hope this morning? Do you need a way? 
our big idea this morning is our only hope this morning and forever is found in Jesus who broke into humanity and brings us a new beginning. Let's pray. Father God, Jesus, the Messiah, Holy Spirit, as you did in this scripture, will you tear open the curtain of heaven and allow us to see and hear you today. Send your spirit into our hearts and minds so we can experience our identity and go on a journey with you. We love you and believe you are a good, merciful, and loving God. Amen. So Mark 1, 1 through 3 is where we begin here. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Do you have a favorite song? So imagine if you're sitting at an airport or shopping at Costco and something that, or there's like a sports game and some song just like pops in your head that you have to sing along. Like, sweet Caroline. Yeah, ba, ba, ba. You have to like sing it along, right? Isn't it amazing that in just a few words, we can't help but sing the rest of the song. Just like this song, these first verses sing a much larger story in truth. In truth, they evoke an overture for the whole gospel of Mark is about to share. In the intro of Mark, we get a crash course of the Ark of the Old Testament leading us to this very moment, a catalytic moment. Our section begins, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son. Do you hear those notes? It's striking that Mark tells us this is the beginning when we know there is more to this this story. But if you think about it, isn't it unusual to start a story with the timing of where you are in a story? Wouldn't the beginning have actually been Jesus' conception or birth? Or maybe even when he was brought to the temple? Again, do you hear these notes? Where in the Bible have you heard this introduction, the beginning, a pronouncement and a promise. It's okay. You can say it out loud. Even though you're sitting on your couch, you can say it out loud. That is correct. It is the hearkening to creation in Genesis. Our section continues, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son or gospel. Gospel or good news, euangelion, is a revolutionary word steeped in meaning. Clifton Black, who's a Marx scholar, says for, about this word, for Marx's earliest readers, the term gospel likely activated reverberations both religious and political. Marx's presentation of Jesus' preaching resonates with the assurance, the second Isaiah, you Angelion, now associated with Caesar, but now not associated with Caesar, but with Jesus, the new herald of a very different dominion. We read the good news from our Western Christian perspective, but the gospel meant a complete change of power dynamics. And we know that that kind of shift evokes emotion and reaction, even in our current context. Verse two, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, 
who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make paths straight for him. I want to point out a phrase in both of these verses, the way. The quote from Isaiah is steeped in meaning for Mark. And in actuality, he chooses to mash up two scriptures. The first from Malachi, the final book of the Old Testament. And the second, Isaiah 43, attributing them all to Isaiah. But we see in both scriptures, this idea of the way or hadas in Greek. This will be a phrase and a concept Mark uses 16 times throughout the book. And as it is in the opening sentences, it is wise for us to pay attention like to this phrase of the way. I tend to think of it as a very right or wrong paradigm. I'm going the way or I'm not going the way. But hadas is more clearly interpreted as a traveled road or a journey. Early Christians referenced themselves as followers of the way instead of using the word Christians. Friends, are you catching this? In six words, don't miss what is being communicated. Mark is beginning us on a journey. He's inviting us to join him on the way. And this isn't any old journey. It's a journey that reaches back to the beginning of creation, plants us right in the middle of this new beginning, which includes a paradigm or a gospel. This is good news. News that will tip the scale from privileged to the oppressed. Mark is talking about a people who have been through the wilderness to settle and be oppressed. The beginning, the good news, links us up, opens us up within you. In my own life, I need a new way. I need good news to break into my brokenness. I share this very vulnerable part of myself out of obedience of what God has asked of me, not because it's resolved or because I want to, but is the very raw thing God is transforming in me right now, the way God is calling me. And I trust you will hold me in prayer and be encouraged by it in your own life. I have some brokenness in my childhood that equated my value and identity with performance. From a very young age, I would just have this running list of things to do at all times. As those things get checked off, I feel relieved and fulfilled. And if they're not, I grow in anxiety and bad behavior because I'm not performing. It's a cycle that's been wearing me out and my closest relationships out. In full confession, after all these years of following Christ, my identity still gets co-opted by what I can do. When I turned 40, I got a tattoo on my forearm and it's inspired by this process and this work that God's doing in me and a poem my spiritual director shared with me. Isn't art beautiful at sharing what the soul desires? My goodness. This is a poem by Lynn Unger called Camus Lily. And I would encourage you to read it in its entirety. It's a beautiful poem and is a visual representation of the transformation I believe God is doing in me. So listen, and you, what of your rushed and useful life? 
Imagine setting it all down. Papers, plans, appointments, everything. Leaving only a note. Gone to the fields to be lovely. Be back when I'm through with blooming. My church family, I need a daily reminder of this kind of hope and transformation in my life. Not in my own power and understanding because I have definitely tried that, but through healing a new beginning and the good news that comes through Jesus, the Messiah coming to make transformation and a way for me. Are you with me? Do you have hurts and patterns that need to be healed and need a new beginning or a new way? In this way, we as humans, but especially Christ followers, know we need something different. And Mark is inviting us to know it today, right now, this very morning. So enter the one who will prepare the way, John the Baptist. He appears on the scene in wilderness and is dressed wildly too. His camel hair and leather strap reminded people of the clothing of Elijah, the priest in the desert. It seems Mark wanted to introduce as soon as possible that the way of following Jesus involves withdrawal from the world and sacrifice. But he also shows us that this way is a gift. John the Baptist shows us what it looks like to have confidence in your identity and purposes. Do you remember who he is? He is Elizabeth and Zachariah's son who received the Holy Spirit in utero at Mary's voice. He is Jesus' cousin who jumped in the womb of Elizabeth when hearing about Jesus and was conceived so late after Elizabeth was barren. He is the son of the priest Zechariah, who was mute for the entirety of his pregnancy because of his disbelief. John the Baptist knows he is called to be the messenger who fulfills the prophecy and points people to the Messiah. And he knows who the Messiah is and the power of the Holy Spirit that people would receive from him. What John was doing in the desert was compelling. Even though people heard him say that he was making a way for a Messiah, they were followers of John, the wild man they could see who was preaching a countercultural message. The whole Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem, that's what the scripture says, were coming to repent, to be forgiven and be baptized in the river. These were Jewish people who were familiar with temple worship, which only allowed priests access to the forgiveness of sins through sacrifice. John is clearly in his identity and purpose. And there is evidence that everyone in the area knew something was different about him. He's fulfilling a prophecy from the Old Testament, but more importantly, he was displaying a giftedness that was extraordinary and compelling enough for people to leave and go on a journey towards something different. The Israelites came to Jerusalem through the wilderness and crossed through the Jordan River. He settled in this place and then placed God in a temple with limited access and are waiting for a Messiah to save them. But John is calling them back out to the wilderness, into the Jordan River, repenting of their sins and baptizing them 
reminding them that there is more to come, this Messiah. This fall, as many of you know and experienced firsthand, we tackled a building project for the future home of Bethany North in a unique location, the former Family Fun Center. My role changed to be in charge of this transition. And I know many of us experienced those first couple cleanup days. Oh, it smelled like sewer because the water hadn't been turned on. The carpet was old. You didn't want to touch it. There was wild amounts of garbage and equipment left behind and we ne- that we needed to remove. And of course, we had a goal of Christmas and it was October. What I will remember and cherify, cherish and testify to was what I experienced through the people who showed up and the amount of joy that was present. It was palpable and infectious. You, my church family, partnered together, willing to give of your time and talent, leaving you so incredibly dirty, tired, and still smiling. Every impossible thing continued to be provided for. Giant bumper car tracks removed, putt-putt golf removed, laser tag removed. Every single thing we put before God in prayer and trust, knowing it could all fall apart, was met in provision of many of your gifts and talents. We called this partnership Team North because we needed each other and could see each other and could see that we were the body using our gifts and talents for the purpose of God's church. It could never have happened, never, without us all. And although we didn't get the building, we got to taste the goodness of its fruit a fruit that lives among us and can never be burned down because we are the church. And at our best, we have a compelling testimony of the Holy Spirit's proposed work in and through us to do wild things. Church, we like John the Baptist are here to live into our purpose and unique giftedness to love those around us and point people to Jesus by using everything we have been given. We can be confident in our identity and purpose to point people to Jesus, especially when we are in the wilderness. When we do this, we participate in the transfiguring work of God. And when God acts things that seemed impossible, are brought into being. Don't believe me? See what happens when Jesus enters this scene. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Notice the immediacy and timing that seems to be speeding up through this act, the switching up of acts and scenes. In Mark's gospel, Jesus, with no preamble, description or conversation, goes straight into the water to be baptized by John. Jesus enters the water of baptism, not through repentance and forgiveness of sins like the people coming to follow John, but as an act of solidarity 
with humanity. He goes down into the water and acts on it. Jesus didn't have any sins that he needed to be cleansed of. He didn't need to be baptized by John for this. But in his participation in baptism, water, the agent of, agent of cleaning in the ancient times is changed. Water doesn't change Jesus. No, Jesus changes what water can do. And in the story of creation, just like how God hovers over the depths of creation and speaks life into being in the midst of chaos, Jesus invites us to new life through the waters of baptism. March 20th, we are having a baptism and you're invited too. And as if this connection to God's broader story wasn't enough, then this really intense, beautiful encounter happens. As Jesus comes out of the water, the sky is torn open, which more literally means it's divided. This is the same word as used in the temple when the curtain is torn as Jesus dies on the cross in Mark 15, 38. There is now an opening between heaven and earth, a cosmic like barrier that's never been seen has been removed. And this is hearkened by Isaiah in 64.1, spoken of, of, of by Ezekiel in his first, in his vision in 1.1, but actually seen and inaugurated by Jesus. Friends, can you hear this beautiful tune unfolding? This is a new creation story, a description of new life, unfolding. Please, please don't miss this. The spirit descends like a dove. Now this can be confusing, but this isn't the spirit in the form of a bird. This is the spirit moving like a bird. This is a new creation. This is Genesis 1-2, part two. And then the inbreaking of God's voice calls Jesus by his identity, son of God, beloved son, whom I love, in whom he is well pleased. Take a deep breath because the Messiah has arrived on the scene and God is not playing around. Eugene Peterson says, the same spirit of God, so lavishly articulated in words that create out of formlessness, void and darkness, everything that is, heaven and earth, fish and birds, stars and trees, plants and animals, man and woman now descends on Jesus, who will now speak salvation into reality in our death ravished and sin decimated world. The God breathed into life, Jesus the God-blessed person of Jesus, at this moment begins to work out the consummation of salvation over death. Woo! Who needs to hear this today? Who needs a new beginning by this revolutionary gospel that breaks into our world and makes a way? Who needs to experience the Spirit's presence today? Who needs to be called a beloved child? And who needs to hear that God is pleased with you today? That is me. I need a room full of amens for that. I am on fire 
when I think about what this means for my life right now. We could say this is at any time, but today, I believe we are called to receive this good news in a fresh way. You are invited on a journey right now, and it's the start of this Lenten journey. Because of Jesus' wild act of love on your behalf, on it, you will discover and be filled with a purpose and a new identity as you're being made into a new creation. Whether you're hearing this full of hope or full of impossibility, it only takes one thing. So I will ask you the question again, do you need hope this morning? Do you need hope in your loneliness? You or someone you know's health in grieving and loss, in your financial situation, in your closest relationships, here is a new beginning and a hope breaking through. Bethany North, we have been on a wild journey wandering for a home and we may even call this place we're in and this time a wilderness. But we are not lost in this wild place. We are right where we're supposed to be. Look around at how God is reflected in the people around you. Really look around. This is God's church who is journeying together and we are being made into something new together. And because of this, we have hope. We can receive hope and we can be people of hope. That is the good news. Let's pray. Lord, I am moved by how you want to offer this as hope this morning, this new beginning this journey that you're taking us on towards a deeper and transforming work of your spirit in our lives. Will you break through, Lord, just as the skies divided and you spoke to Jesus and called him beloved. Will you break through this morning, wherever we are, And give us hope, hope in you, hope in this good news that we can become new and that you offer us an identity and a purpose that is to be worked out and given to each other as hope and as a reflection of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.